0: Hey folks, Ryan Kennedy here. Today's episode, I'm coming at you with the topic of fruit. You know, many people have differing beliefs when it comes to fruit. While someone might claim it's the healthiest thing you could eat, another person will say it causes weight gain and insulin resistance. So, you know, what's the deal? Like, who's right? What's the deal with fruit? So, in this episode, I'm gonna explain a lot of the pros and cons of fruit. Which are the healthiest fruit to consume? And probably most importantly, I'm going to cover how to consume fruit to gain all these benefits while minimizing the downsides. And so before I go on to the good stuff, many fruits are commonly lumped into the category of vegetables since they don't contain any sweet flavor or any high sugar. Um, And these will include things like zucchini, tomatoes, peppers, olives, avocados, a bunch of others. While these are technically fruits, since most people don't view them as such, this video this uh, podcast episode is really going to be focused on the higher sugar sweet tasting fruits that we think of when we hear the word fruit so i'm going to dive into the benefits first fruit is a natural whole food and it contains a lot of health benefits and beneficial properties and while people can certainly run into problems when they overconsume it overall it should not be avoided and it can absolutely be a healthy part of your diet so, fruit is loaded with vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. It's a rich source of essential nutrients for our bodies to really maintain optimal function. Uh, and it can be a very tasty way to get these vitamins and minerals into your diet while also supplying these antioxidants that help to neutralize free radicals in the body. Uh, fruit is also a good source of fiber. You know, fruit contains insoluble fiber, which has been shown in studies to help with weight loss. It can support digestive issues, and so it just depends. Some folks with any type of inflammatory condition in their digestive tract such as IBS or diverticulitis or ulcerative colitis should be really careful with fiber since it can be hard on the GI tract and can actually aggravate those types of inflammatory issues in the intestines. Uh, But for most folks, fiber is going to be a beneficial thing. Uh, And then fruit can be really hydrating because fruit and vegetables, you know, plant, sources, you know, most of mostly this produce, it contains structured water, which is the most superior form of water. It's absolutely amazing for hydrating your bodies. So well, water is H2O. Structured water is actually H3O2. And Gerald Pollack has done a ton of research kind of outlining this, what he calls the fourth phase of water. And it creates this gel-like matrix within the cell that is massively beneficial. One of the greatest books I've read on this recently is by one of in my, in my view, the top holistic uh, doctors in the world, Dr. Thomas Cowan, and his book, Cancer and the New Biology of Water, he outlines this concept of structured water and how it really maintains cell integrity and proper cellular function. And when we start to lose this structure in the, the water in the cell is when we start to experience, at least this is his theory, it's one of the root causes. That causes this genetic or not genetic, so much as cellular mutation that could lead to things like cancer. So clearly fruits can help you in a lot of ways, um, but I must say you can receive a lot of these same benefits from consuming non-starchy vegetables, which do have a lot less sugar than fruit and are an even healthier option. So let's dive into some of the dark sides of fruit. You know, I've went over a lot of the health benefits and how it can be a really healthy part of your diet, but what doesn't always get enough attention is where people can go wrong. And yes, fruit is a nutritious whole food, but it also contains high amount of sugar. And fruit contains a relatively high amount of what's called fructose, a type of sugar that can be particularly problematic when eating in high amounts, especially in a high calorie diet. Studies have uh, really shown that excessive fructose can lead to issues with insulin sensitivity, meaning your body has to produce more insulin to regulate blood sugar. And I've discussed in the past how insulin is one of our body's number one fat storage hormones. So more insulin that's being released, the more body fat we're going to store. Uh, And the other thing with fructose is when you eat it in high amounts, it doesn't get metabolized the same way as glucose. It actually kind of bypasses some of the typical digestive mechanisms that cause high blood sugar and goes straight to the liver. And causes, uh, you know, triglyceride production. It can cause fatty liver disease. It can cause insulin resistance. And so, for that reason, I think in large amounts—big caveat there—in large amounts, it can be problematic. If you're not physically active, if you're overweight, if you already have one of these issues, like insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome or fatty liver disease, eating too much fruit is not going to serve you. It's really going to fuel the fire. On the flip side. If you are very physically active, you you work out regularly, you move your body a lot, like I teach in these episodes, uh, you're at a healthy weight and you don't have insulin resistance, then the sugar in the fruit is not likely going to pose an issue for you, especially if you consume it strategically, like I'm going to outline further in this episode. So the most common argument I get from people defending fruit is like, Ryan, 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 how could fruit be bad? You know, our ancestors ate fruit for thousands of years before heart disease and cancer and diabetes were prevalent. Clearly it must not be the fruit. And I say, yes, you're right. It is true. Our ancestors have been eating fruit for a long, long time, but there were many differences from how we consume fruit today compared to how our ancestors consume fruit. So first of all, in the past, humans would have only eaten fruit when it was fresh and in season which was typically anywhere around eight to 12 weeks of the year, you know, two to three months of the year, we had, you know, fruit that was ripe in season. Uh, and there were a few areas on the planet that had longer fruit seasons, but for the most part, it was only there for a portion of the year. For the other nine or 10 months, we had no fruit. That's very different than today where fruit is shipped from across the planet so that you could have fresh fruit in your grocery store 365 days a year, which was never the case throughout human evolution. Number two, fruits eaten by our ancestors were heirloom varieties, meaning they were much smaller and had a lot less sugar. Our food system is hybridized. Many crops, many animals, many things in our food system have been hybridized. And so now fruit varieties, they make them larger, they make them sweeter, meaning more sugar, more aesthetically pleasing because, you know, it's got to look pretty if we're going to buy it, uh, even though it's just going right in our mouth. And all of this really... Causes, it causes the consumer to buy more, which is, gotta say, great for their business model. But as a result, the fruit is now much less healthy for us. And moving on to number three of how ancestral fruit consumption differs from that of today, you know, back in the day, humans lived far more active lifestyles. They were constantly moving, you know, hunter gatherers, and, you know, they were constantly, they weren't working behind a screen and an office de- a chair and, you know, inside all day. Today, we really live more sedentary lifestyles. So after you eat fruit or any high glycemic carbohydrate for that matter, your body converts it to blood sugar in the body. When you're active and you're moving around, you use up that blood sugar. So your pancreas doesn't have to release all this insulin and it doesn't really pose a big issue. You know, if you're active, you're going to be fine. But when you eat a bunch of sugar or high glycemic carbohydrates and then you sit around, your body has no need for all that sugar and your pancreas has to pump out all this insulin which causes your body to shove this carbohydrate into fat stores and causes your body to store fat so it's different it's different we used to consume fruit yes but not in the way that we do today not where you could go get big old beautiful large sweet apple every single day of the year that was never the case throughout history and You know, moving on, I also want to touch on fruit juice because, unlike vegetable juice, which is extremely healthy to consume, and I'm a huge proponent of fresh pressed uh, vegetable juice with celery, cucumbers, lemon, you know, herbs, fantastic for you. Fruit juice can be really problematic for your health. You know, fruit juice is actually very similar to soda in the body. Yes, it has fewer chemicals, but the sugar content is about the same. You know, when you juice fruit, you remove all the fiber. And the fiber helps to slow down that sh- the conversion of that sugar in the fruit. So by removing the fiber, you get even a bigger spike in blood glucose. And it also allows you to consume far more fruit than you normally would. Like who would sit down and eat like four oranges in 10 minutes? Nobody's going to eat full like four oranges. That's a crap little of oranges. But people drink a big 16 or 20 ounce glass of orange juice all the time in under 10 minutes. It's part of a healthy breakfast you know, not really. That was a joke. And as though that's not bad enough, most of the store bought fruit juices, they're heavily processed. They're not fresh, meaning they've been sitting in a container for days or weeks on end. And they contain a small fraction of the amount of vitamins and antioxidants that you get from a freshly picked whole fruit. So avoid fruit juice, folks, not serving your health. So then the question is like, what is the best fruit to eat? And the best fruits are the ones that are going to be lower in sugar, higher in nutrient density. So higher nutrient density, lower sugar, that is the combo you want to look for, for good quality fruit. And those tend to be wild organic berries. Um, and so you don't have to get wild. Any berries are going to be better than none, but wild berries are going to be lower in sugar and higher in antioxidants. One example of this is wild blueberries, which are tiny little guys have upwards of 400% more antioxidants than conventional highbush blueberries that, you know, they're huge, they're sweet, and as a general rule of thumb, when you're looking at berries and you want to see, is this berry going to be a great bet for me, if the berry is the same color on the inside as it is on the outside, then it's going to be a better berry to consume. So I know you may be thinking, the blueberries I eat are a different color on the inside. They're typically like a white or a light green. And that's because most of the blueberries sold in grocery stores are hybridized, high-bush blueberries. Whereas if you get low, uh, wild low-bush blueberries, they're going to be far more, far higher in antioxidants like I said, lower in sugar, smaller in size, and they'll have the same dark blue color inside and out. So you can find these at many health food stores, even like places like Sprouts. Uh, you can find frozen uh, wild organic blueberries, and those are going to be some of the best fruits out there for you. Uh, other fruits that I like are low sugar citrus, like lemons and limes. And you're probably like, well, that's not very sweet, right? And, and they're not, but they're a great option to consume on a regular basis. I always put fresh squeezed lemon or lime in my morning tea. I'll add it to my bone broth, you know, with some good sea salt and chili powder and, you know, curry powder and doctor up a bone broth and drink it like a cup of coffee in the morning. It is freaking fantastic, folks. Um, grapefruits are also pretty good. You know, they're not too high in sugar and they're going to be a pretty good choice. And then, you know, other ones are going to be like cherries are pretty solid, green apples are pretty good, uh, and those are pretty much going to be the, the top, top of my list for healthy fruits as far as lower sugar, higher nutrient density. Now, this does not mean that you can't eat other types of fruits. You know, so many other types of fruits have valuable nutrients, and it doesn't mean they should be avoided entirely. The list of fruits I just went over are just going to be the best options to consume most frequently. So on to the last part, the last leg of this conversation of fruit, which is the best way to consume fruit. And this may be the most important thing about this episode. Strategic consumption of fruit can really be the differentiating factor of whether it brings you more benefit or whether it brings you more harm. So here are my three favorite tips on how to reap the benefits of fruit while minimizing the downsides. So tip number one, don't overdo it, folks. You know, I'm sure you've heard the popular saying you can have too much of a good thing and this definitely applies to fruit. So having one or two servings of fruit each day is radically different than having five or six servings. And most of your plant intake should come from non-starchy vegetables, which are low in sugar and starch, but will still supply your body with really beneficial micronutrients and the structured water and the dietary fiber and all the benefits I talked about uh, fruit at the beginning of this episode. So people trying to lose weight or people trying to improve improve blood sugar control should really limit their fruit intake to one uh, serving per day, two max. But if you're very physically active, healthy body weight, you can likely handle a higher fruit consumption. I also find that during the summer months when we have these long days, it's warmer out. This is when we would have eaten more fruit from an ancestral perspective in the summer. And so this is when. I'll eat more fruit. And this is when people can tolerate more fruit. In the winter, when it's cold, it's, it's shorter days, it's dark, we're not doing as much activity. This is when you're gonna to want to decrease your fruit consumption. Uh, and one more note on this, following a fruitarian diet consisting of only fruit is a horrific idea. It will negatively impact your health in a serious way. And I don't even know where people came up with this. It, it makes no sense. Like, let me just fuel my body on pure sugar And it's going to be completely devoid of all essential amino acids, all essential fatty acids, and I'm just going to eat fruit. It's like, good luck. Good luck with that, folks. Uh, Don't do a fruitarian diet. Not wise. Number two. So number one was don't overdo it. Number two is to eat whole fruits with healthy fats. Healthy fats are going to be essential for our bodies. I've done episodes on this prior. But... Eating the right types of fats are also going to slow the conversion of the sugar in the fruit. It's going to lower what's called the glycemic load. So when you eat fruit by itself, it's going to be way different than when you couple fruit with healthy fats. So this is why it's best to consume fruit with a meal or right after your meal as a dessert. Because all the fiber and healthy fats in your meal will help to minimize the potential damage caused by the sugar in the fruit, and this is how fruit is meant to be enjoyed—you know, not as the mainstay of your meal, but rather as a sweet treat, you know, a, a nature's dessert, nature's candy, as so it's often called—in addition to all the healthy fats, high-quality proteins, and fibrous vegetables on your plate. That's why it's referred to as nature's candy. It's not referred to as nature's dinner. You know, so make sure you're pairing it with healthy fats. It's going to lower the, uh, slow down the conversion of sugar, lower the glycemic impact, and you'll actually even get a better nutrient absorption of some of those uh, vitamins with the assistance of a healthy fat, like a grass-fed ghee, coconut oil, whatever fats you're using in your dinner. You can refer back to one of my prior episodes where I talk about the healthiest fats to, to include in your diet. Last on this list, number three, couple movement with your fruit consumption. I talked about this a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but whenever you're having any fruit or high glycemic carbohydrates, it's important to move your body after you eat it. This physical activity after eating it will reduce what's called your postprandial glucose levels. And that's basically a fancy way of saying is it will lower the spike in blood sugar following a meal, which means less weight gain, less brain fog, less fatigue. You'll digest your food better, you'll feel better, and you won't run into all the issues with your metabolic health. So don't do high-intensity exercise post-meal. Since that is going to impair digestion, your gut will not be happy with you if you eat a big meal and then go try and do a hit session. I'm talking low-intensity movement. Walking is ideal. You know, when you finish eating, go for a nice walk. Maybe you do a mellow bike ride. Maybe you do some chores around the house. Maybe you do some gardening. Anything that's going to get your body moving, but not be too physically intensive. So just to wrap things up here, key takeaway here for this episode on fruit is to... Really minimize the damage when consuming fruit or other starches and sugars for that matter by exercising before your meal, doing like a short hit session or resistance training is perfect to deplete your glycogen before you eat, consuming adequate healthy fats and fiber alongside your fruit, and then going for a nice walk as soon as you finish eating it. And just don't overdo it, you know? Keep it to a moderate amount, apply those strategies, and you will be able to integrate fruit as a healthy part of your diet and feel freaking phenomenal. Thanks for listening in today, folks. That's all I got for you on fruit. Feel free to reach out if you have further follow-up questions. Appreciate you listening in, and I hope you learned something valuable today. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can find the show notes and resources we discussed at ryankennedyshow.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Much love, everyone.